Now, what I'm doing today and what I did last week is I told you preaching through the Gospel of Mark, uh, but I'm kind of jumping last week and this week I'm kind of jumping out of order. I'm kind of like fast-forwarding uh, to the end of the movie, okay? Uh, any of you guys do that? Some movies I watch and... I start off at the beginning of the movie, and there's so much angst and so much anxiety in it, I have to like fast forward all the way to the end to check out to see how it ends, or I'll get on Google or something and check out the end, and then I'll come back and watch it. And if I don't like the end, then I just don't watch it. <laughs> Any of you guys, like, am I the only ones like that? We're not doing that today where we're going to determine whether we're going to watch the rest of the movie or not, but with this being Easter, we're going to jump forward to Mark chapter 16, which is the passage of Scripture on resurrection. And so today, we're going to fast forward to Mark 16, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time there. And so the title of the message today is uh, The Empty Tomb and the Do-Over, all right? And so I want to read with you Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. So go ahead and put that up there, okay? And so when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him, him being Jesus, all right? Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Would you be alarmed a little bit? Absolutely. Don't be alarmed, he told them. I love the way Mark writes here. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, okay? You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Everybody go, yeah. Come on. He's not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Wow, what a powerful passage of Scripture that is. So this morning, as I was preparing this message, I came across something in this passage that's not up there now, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, in this passage that I have overlooked all of my years of studying Scripture my whole life with this resurrection story. It is a part of the story, in my opinion, as I, as I was open to this today, it's a part of the story uh, that really shows the true love, compassion, and model that Jesus has set for us as his disciples. And it's found, here's what's amazing to this, out of those seven verses, it's found in two words out of all of that today. Two words. And I found it in these two words, 
discovered it in, in these two words as I was reading through this. So I want you to let I want, put back verse 7 again, the last one that was just up. Just go back one. And I want you to, I want you to listen to this as I read this again. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as I told you. The two words that I'm talking about today is when you read in that verse and it says, and Peter. You see, what I want you to grab a hold of today is as the messenger gives them the news. You don't hear the messenger speaking in an antagonistic way. He doesn't say, go and tell the disciples and tell Pontius Pilate and tell Caiaphas, okay, that he's alive. Do you? You don't hear words of gratitude. Go, go tell the disciples and go, go tell John, the one that I love. Instead, what we find here in this passage is we find words of love because the messenger says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. You see, here's the reason I want to share this with you and the reason why I see it from this perspective and I think this is important for us to understand. You see, Jesus knew how Peter had failed. He knew how broken Peter was at this point. He knew that Peter needed encouragement. He knew that Peter needed a new beginning. He needed a do-over. And then just, just, to, just to bring that to light, I want to remind you, let's jump back. Let's jump back to Mark chapter 14. And let me read Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72, okay? So jump back up there. Put up Mark uh, chapter 14. I want to remind us what Peter has done up to this point, okay? Go ahead and put the next verse up there. While Peter was in the courtyard below... One of the high priest's maidservants came. Now, God, i, I got to set this tone here, okay? Jesus has been arrested. You remember we, 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 we talked about on Good Friday? Okay, Jesus has been arrested. They brought him before the Sanhedrin. They brought him in this, in, at the, to this night meeting, and it was a scam. It was a setup. And so they bring him to this Peter and John and some of the other disciples and Jesus' mother and Mary Magdalene, they're in the crowd and they're watching what's happening. And these guys are throwing, Peter, are throwing Jesus under the bus. They're, they're accusing him of all kinds of things that he hasn't done. They are, they are setting him up. And so at some point, Peter is approached. And so while Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest maidservants came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. And then he went out to the entryway and a rooster crowed. When the maidservant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, this man is one of them. 
But he again denied it. And after a little while, those standing there said to Peter one more time, You certainly are one of them since you, since you're also a Galilean. Then he started to curse and swear. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the words to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. You see, I want us to understand this morning, every single one of us here, this Easter, many of us stand or we have stood where Peter stood here this day in the need of a second chance, in the need of a do-over, in the need of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You see, this morning, the two words, and Peter, what they reveal to us today is they reveal to us a Jesus that is ready to give us all a second chance. And this morning, wherever you are in your walk, whether you're here today as a disciple of Jesus Christ who has made a commitment to follow him and you live your life for him, or you're here just kind of doing the Sunday morning thing while you live your life, or whether you're here because somebody drug you to church this morning. And I, I know there are some here that it, you, you did. You're like, okay, I'm going to go. I heard the pastor's kind of weird. It'll be a good show. Let's go. <laughs> no matter why you're here today, what I want you to know is that Jesus is offering a second chance for every single one of us. And so let's just talk about that just for a couple minutes this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you about how that's possible. I mean, how is a second chance possible? Well, that's simple. It's the easiest answer uh, to all of the questions that we ask, and that is the resurrection. The reason that it is possible for you to have a do-over, for me to have a do-over, for us to have a second chance, it doesn't matter what we've done in our lives up to this point. It doesn't matter how many mistakes we've made. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter the things that we've said or the people that we've hung out with. It doesn't matter all of the, anything that anyone might construe as being negative, wrong, sinful, whatever you want to put it. The way that we are able to be set free to move forward is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you see, this morning, if there was no resurrection, there would be no gospel, there would be no good, good news, there would be no second chance. You see, the Bible, if you study the scripture, is full of stories of men and women who have been given do-overs in life. 
Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Jonah who was, was just ran from God in disobedience, okay? And the list goes on and on. What I want you to realize and what I want you to remember is before his second chance, Peter here in this passage scripture He had denied Christ. His heart was broken. He was destroyed by what he had done. And it says he wept bitterly in repentance. This morning, what I want you to grab a hold of is that the second chance is possible because of what Christ has done for us. He has made the step for you and I to be set free from whatever binds us in our life and in our past. But what I do want you also to understand, it's not something that happens automatic. You don't get to just live however you want and then you get forgiven no matter what. You see, Peter wept bitterly and then what he did is he repented. You see, the second chance is possible, but it's not automatic. Judas, the rich young ruler, Pontius Pilate, they all missed their opportunity for a second chance. And I say that again. All of them missed their chance of a their the possibility of a second chance. Judas could have been forgiven. I, you know, there's all kinds of theological conversations around who Judas was, but I'm going to tell you right here: the scripture that I understand, the scripture that I read, the Jesus that I love says, "All who repent and believe and follow me will receive me." I don't care what Judas did if he would have repented, believed, and followed Christ. He would have been forgiven. Pontius Pilate could have been forgiven, could have gotten a do-over. The rich young ruler that Jesus talks about could have gotten a do-over if they'd have made the choice. You see, the second chance is for anyone who, like Peter, seeks to be restored, asks for forgiveness, and recognizes the sin. You see, this morning, what I want to say to you before we go anywhere else in this message today is that if you are here today and your life is broken, your life is a shamble, your life is struggled, if you believe or feel like there is something missing, I would be remiss on Easter Sunday morning to not tell you that what it is that is incomplete about your life is the absence of Jesus Christ in your life. And if you will make the choice to surrender, to believe and follow, you will be set free. Period. And the possibility of that is through Christ and the resurrection. 
Now that leads me to the next part of this message that I want to talk to you about just for a minute or two, and that is the second chance. When we have a second chance, when, when you go through a do-over, what I want you to know is it's personal. Your do-over is not my do-over. Your do-over is not the person next to you's do-over, okay? Your second chance doesn't look the way that someone else in this room's second chance looks like, okay? The love of Christ singles us out by name, all right? John chapter 10, verse 3, you can put that up on the screen, says, He calls his own sheep by name. You see, in this passage of Scripture, and this is what's so amazing to me, is that Jesus used Simon Peter's new name. Peter, he said. After all, Peter had been given a new nature. Even though he was living here by his old nature, he had been given a new nature. And it's one thing for us to believe in Jesus. It's another thing for us to know he believes in us. You see, God still uses ordinary people just like Peter. And you and I to change the world. You see, he called out Peter in this passage because he wanted Peter to understand specifically, I still love you, and you have a part to play in the kingdom that I am called to. You see, we all know sin can wreck our lives. Can anybody testify to that today? I don't want you to testify it literally, but can you testify can you testify to how some form of sin has just messed up your life? Rest of us, we're going to have an altar call at the end. <laughs> just being honest there, you know. Dude, I have experienced dudettes too. Uh <laughs> I have experienced how sin can wreck your life. I have experienced how sin can come in and just tear things apart. But let me tell you something. I have also experienced the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. How sin can wreck our lives, but what it cannot do is it cannot keep God from loving us. I'm going to tell you here today, no matter what you've done in life, I don't care what guilt you're sitting under. I don't care what struggle you are dealing with. I don't care what anyone has said to you. Nothing you have ever done will make or do. Nothing will ever cause God to stop loving you. That's how much he loves us. That is so awesome. Don't you like that awkward silence? I want that to sink into us today. I want us to realize and grab a hold of the fact of how much he loves us. And he loves us unconditionally. Your relationship with him is personal. 
He knows you by name. He knows every hair on the top of your head. He even knows how many hairs used to be there. I didn't want to exclude anybody, you know. Sorry, Bruce. His relationship with you, it's personal. It's one-on-one. But not only that, that leads me to the, to the next point that I want to make, and that is the second chance. It's, it's private. It's about you, and it's about you and him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, it tells us that when our Lord arose from the grave, it says... He appeared to to Kepha and then to the 12. Kepha being Cephas, which means Peter. All right? You see, after the resurrection, one of the first things that the Lord did was meet with Peter privately. I don't know if you pick up on that. I don't know if you understand that. Now, we haven't got a clue. I I have no clue what took place in that meeting. Have no clue what the conversation was like between Jesus and Peter after the resurrection. But what I do know is that there was compassion in that, okay? When I meet with my disciples each week, and I meet with somewhere between 14 and 15 disciples every week, we meet for an hour, an hour and a half, I always tell them when they come into my office, what happens in the pastor's office stays in the pastor's office. Unless it gets me in trouble. Jesus had a conversation with Peter. He had an intimate conversation. And even though Peter had denied Jesus publicly, Jesus, one of the first things that he does after the resurrection is he meets with Peter in private and he restores that relationship. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you know anything of this private encounter with the Lord in your own life. Listen, I'm going I'm to say this to you, okay? Your restoration, your healing, Your do-over is about you and the Lord. It's about your relationship with him. It's not, it's not about the people sitting around you. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about public knowledge. It's about you and him. If he leads you to share or to seek forgiveness or to seek restoration with someone else, he'll lead you that way. You don't come up here so that you can stand up. You don't have to stand up before the world and say, I am this. The relationship that you have with the Father is your relationship. What is important 
is that when you are restored and you experience victory, you let the world know the victory that has taken place. Can you say amen to that? We live in a society and a culture where everybody wants to know everybody else's business. It's called social media. And we want everybody to know our business when it's good, don't we? I love the, what is it, Facebook? Yeah, I forgot what it was. I love to hate Facebook. I'm a troll. Is that what they call it? I go on to Facebook and I follow what everybody else is doing. Now you guys are going, oh crap, the pastor follows me on Facebook. I do. And I very rarely do anything myself on Facebook other than post pictures of food I'm eating. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was, who was it was talking to me? This is one of those ADD moments. We were talking about, it was some kind of thing you're talking about down the road in the future, what it's going to be like when we, when we go back and we look at uh, our, when the, the next generation looks at their pictures from, from the past, you know, now you've, you guys have all sat down with grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and looked at pictures of, you know, the old pictures when you're, you know, we're young and, you know, and they were young and all of the, you know, you know, all those pictures I'm talking about, you know, and, and this guy, I think it was a comedian, he was talking about the pictures that our, our, our grandchildren are going to sit down with, you know, and he was talking about how, you know, we're going to be, yeah, yeah, this is, um, this is a dinner I ate in New York. Here's a picture of uh, a map that I took because I didn't know how to get to such and such place. Here's a dinner I ate in Toledo. Actually, if you look here, this is breakfast, lunch, and dinner here. I don't know why I got off on that track there for a second, but... But what I want you to understand, here's what I, under, what, you, what I want you to understand is that the do-over, the second chance that God offers to you, it's about you and him. You and him alone. And it's not about what you've done, it's about what you can do through him and experiencing that wholeness and experiencing that healing. That leads me to the final thing that I want to talk about today just for a second here. The most important thing that we need to understand about a second chance and a do-over is that it's transformational. It transforms who we are. You see, let me tell you something. This private meeting that Jesus had with Peter... We don't know what happened in it because it was private. But here's what we do know about it. It transformed Peter's life. Peter went from being broken. He went from being destroyed. He went from a massive amount of grief because of the rejection that he had, had, had produced because he had turned his back on his Lord and Savior, he went from that to Pentecost, and after that to become what I would consider to be the undisputed heavyweight leader of the early church. Am I correct? 
You see, folks, what we have to remember and realize today is that we have a way of remembering one's failures and we have often a way of forgetting their strong points. And what I want to tell you today is that's not the way our Lord and Savior works. You see, He enables us to get up. He enables us to live transformed because the second chance wipes out everything behind us and makes what's in front of us the victory. Can you say amen to that today? You see, every single one of us through Jesus Christ can be victorious. We can be transformed. I don't care what you looked like before. It's about what He transforms you into. He enables us to be victorious. He took the prodigal son. He took Abraham. He took Moses. He took David. And He took Peter. And He transformed them into the kingdom men of God that He wanted them to be. And He can do that for you today. All you have to do is let him in. You see, this morning, as the team comes up to close us in a song, I thank God that he can use us and make our lives brand new, even when we have messed up in the past. Because this morning, you need to know he is the God of second chances. He is the God of doers. And this last thing I want you to grab a hold of. Your past is never too bad and you are never too broken for a do-over when Jesus is involved. Can you say amen to that today? Heavenly Father, this morning I ask that you would just move in a mighty and miraculous way through this room today. Lord, I pray that more than anything that we stand victorious in who you are. And Lord, I pray today that if there are those in this room who are struggling, if there are those in this room who are broken, if there are those in this room who believe that they are out of second chances, Lord, remind them who you are and remind them who they can be in you because you are the God of second chances you walked out of that grave victorious you celebrate the death and resurrection of life and we get to be a part of it if we receive you Lord I call on your name today and ask you to guide us and make the steps that we need to make I pray this in your most precious name, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.